It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Typically on Thursdays, it's Nathan in the studio, and he's going to be going through a series. All of this uh, winter into spring, we have a new model, and many of you have become familiar with it. And it's, we have a really cool studio here now on campus, but I'm violating our new system by taking this week and coming into the chapel and giving a special series. It wasn't in our schedule. We weren't planning on doing it, but this last week, all of us just felt so burdened that as a ministry, we needed to directly uh, speak to the particulars uh, of what's going on inside of us as the church right now. And so the name of this series is A Christian Response to a Crumbling America. And uh, this is part four. And so all of these days, so whereas Nathan would typically be going through a series today, uh, he has graciously bowed out to just say, hey, let's, let's focus on this series. And uh, this one is I really, I have to admit, out of all the titles, this is maybe my favorite, even though it's somewhat of a stretch title, it's called Illegal Laughter. And one of my questions for myself and for you at the very beginning is imagine that laughter became illegal. Uh, what would we do? Uh, at what point do you uh, say, you know what, this is an attribute of God, I can't help it. If love became illegal, if peace became illegal, if, if uh, mercy became illegal, how do you function? Our job is to show respect and honor to the governing authorities to the degree that it is in agreement with our chief governing authority, the word of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so therefore, as far as the kingdoms of this earth are enabling us to live for Christ, we can be in congruency with them and we can work together, but when they ask us to forsake our godliness, when they ask us to forsake that which is Christ in us. We can't do anything but civilly disobey. And this has always been the case throughout history. Some of the greatest men and women throughout history have spent time in prison. And yet what they were doing to get them in prison was actually they were doing the works of righteousness. They were doing what Christ would have done if he were in their body because he was. And so let's dig into this uh, message because right now in the midst of a crumbling nation, it's imperative that we as the body of Christ are groomed by the word of truth, not by the news, not by the events of today, but by the truth of God's word, which is eternal. And so when it comes to our attitude and our thought processes and how we navigate through such a unique season in our history, we must get our wisdom not from the world, but from God. And he has it for us. So let's get into this. Illegal laughter. Acts 16, through 26. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. So Paul and Silas are in somewhat of a bad situation here, guys. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Well, what were they doing? Uh, preaching Jesus? And you're like, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, well, preaching Jesus gives hope to people. It shares love and mercy and kindness. It heals. It gives hope. Yeah, but it also exposes the sinfulness of people. And it also declares that there is a, 
authority that is higher than any earthly authority. You know, earthly authorities don't particularly like that. And so it's a threat to people that live in pride and arrogance. It's a threat to people that want to preserve their sin and want to consider everything they do is right when God is saying it's wrong. And so as a result, yes, I do understand why it is a threat. However, as a Christian, one thing I can say is bring on the threat, Lord Jesus. Because when, you, when, when Jesus Christ came to me, he set me free. And yes, I had pride, but giving up my pride and being humbled is the greatest freeing, liberating thing that ever happened in my life. It's a good work, and that's why it's called good news. But they're in stocks. They're in the inner prison. They've been beaten. Oh, this is terrible. Or is it? So let's continue the story. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? Singing hymns? Aren't you supposed to be weeping? Aren't you supposed to be crying? Aren't you supposed to be moaning because of your aches and pains? I mean, you were beaten. No, they're singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. Okay, so what we see is a very different response to the circumstances in which they're in. Normal response would be grief, would be moaning, groaning, complaining, frustration, hatred, resentment, bitterness. That's normal. That's, that's human. But what we're going to see is something altogether different. You know what's going to happen? You're going to see prison walls shaken. You're going to see prison doors open. And you're going to see other people that are captive because of one or two men in this situation, their decision to respond in a Christ way to their circumstances, it is going to set others free. Oh, we have a pattern here which is pretty powerful. It's a pattern throughout Christian history. When Christians behave as Christians in the midst of a crumbling world, it creates more Christians. Isn't that an amazing thought? So one of my favorite stories, on the screen it says they gave us instruments. One of my favorite stories, I remember this man sharing this with me. It's, it's a Richard Wormbrandt story. And Richard Wormbrandt spent many years in uh, confinement in prison in Romania because of his faith in Jesus. He was a pastor and just a great man, one of my heroes. And so when he was in prison uh, and he was released, he had gone through such harrowing things that the church wanted to know. They wanted to hear the stories. And so one of the things that uh, Richard Wurmbrandt shared with everyone just shocked them because these were communists that hated the Christians and, and caused the Christians great pains and sufferings and tortures. And then Richard Wurmbrandt says, oh, the, the, uh, the prisoners, I'm sorry, the soldiers gave us uh, instruments. They gave us instruments. And with those instruments, we praise the Lord. And everyone's like, wait, 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 wait. They gave you instruments? Are these the same People that we're thinking of, uh, the, the communists that, that hate Christianity, they gave you instruments to praise the Lord? Yeah, they gave us instruments. They gave you, what kind of instruments? They gave us our chains. And with those chains, we praise the Lord. You see, what you see in that story is a flip. You see a turning. You see a different set of glasses being put on Richard Wormbrand, and he's seen something different than the natural man would see. The natural man would see those handcuffs as misery as things that cut into your arms and they're symbols of, uh, of restraint and of harm and of evil. And yet Richard Rembrandt sees them as instruments. 
So my question for all of us is, how are we looking at the difficulties we're going through right now? Last year, most people did not rejoice over the challenges that came with lockdowns and COVID-19 and restrictions and government overreaches and elections that seemed to be a little sketchy. There was not a lot of rejoicing in the church, and yet Richard Wurmbrandt can be in solitary confinement with uh, shackles on and say, you know, I'm such a blessed man. I was given instruments to worship God. You've been given instruments. It's your trials. It's your challenges. When we are given challenges, those turn into instruments in our life if we choose to have them become instruments. So on the screen it says every weight is an opportunity to exercise. When you go into a gym, you don't go into a gym just to stand there and stare at the wall. What do you do? When I, when I go into some kind of workout facility, uh, I'm looking for weights. Isn't that a funny statement? I'm looking for weights, and what am I going to do with those weights? I'm going to work them. I'm going to pick up a weight, and I'm going to use it. Why would I do that? Because weights, exercised properly, create an increase in strength. It creates an, in, an increase in life. The reason some of us run and get all tired and exhausted and sweat, why would anyone do that? is because we know the effects of it are good. You know that this is how a Christian life works? You know that every single weight in your life, every challenge in your life is an opportunity for greater strength, but you have to exercise it, just like Richard Wormbrandt was doing. You see, he was given shackles. Well, for most people, that will just defeat him. Oh, I have shackles. Oh, my life is ruined. Instead, he praises God with them and turns into a stronger man that changed my life. See, my life was impacted by Richard Wormbrandt, but Richard Wormbrandt impacted me because he chose to make his chains instruments. The principle of manure. Now, if I were to say, do you like manure? It'd be a, a strange person that says, oh, I love it. You know, my mom, ironically, grew up on a dairy farm, and so we would drive past, you know, those cow places where they just had a whole bunch of them there, and it was just Okay, let's just be honest, not the most pleasant uh, smell uh, would fill the car as we're driving through, and you're just sort of hoping uh, that you could just get past that smell, it'll fade. My mom loved it. She's like, oh, I love the smell. And then she'd make moo sounds. She'd always do three, two. She'd always do three sounds like she was talking to the cows. And I thought that was a little strange, and probably you would too. You see, for someone to like manure, the smell of manure, something's a little cuckoo. We as Christians are cuckoo. To the world. You see, we actually rejoice amid suffering. We sing songs in prison cells. We consider chains instruments. That's how we're supposed to think. But the church today is moaning and groaning and complaining and bitter and hateful. Something is upside down. Christianity is not functioning as Christianity. I don't care if laughter is illegal. We're going to laugh anyways. So the principle of manure, here's how it works. When you receive manure into your garden, and you don't push it away because it's foul, but you say, you know what, Lord? If you desire to bring manure my way, I'm going to rejoice over that. Why? Because we know it's going to make our garden grow better. Every trial that you face, yeah, it could be stinky manure, someone else's junk. And yet, when you embrace the challenges in your life, and you till it in, you cultivate it, uh, you know what's going to happen? Your crop is going to grow bigger 
and more robust. Your flowers are going to be more lovely. The colors are going to be more flamboyant. The smells of those flowers are even going to be more amazing. So I'm not saying that you celebrate and you get excited about manure. Manure is yuck, right? But God is going to take that yuck and he's going to turn it into something wonderful in your life. And that's just how God works. So here's the story of Joseph in Genesis 50, 20. His brothers come back and this is what he says to him. It's profound. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Evil is intended. I'm not going to excuse the devil. He's up to no good. And there are a lot of people that are housing the devil right now that are up to devilish no good. And yet, God is going to turn that good into a greater strength for us. And he has the intention of saving many people through it. The cross is the great converter. You enter with your waist and out comes something spectacular. So if you could make the cross sort of like some kind of factory and it makes noises like, let's go, then what you do is you come to the cross with your mistakes and what comes out the other side is something altogether different. You come with death and out comes life. How does that work? This cross is something Quite amazing. It's God's work on our behalf. You could call it grace. It's the work of grace. You see, when we come with our limitations, our weaknesses, our mistakes, even the bad things that we've done, or even the bad things that are done towards us, and we bring them to the cross, it's amazing, but they transform. So let's go through a fun meditation on that. Death becomes life. Dirty becomes cleaned. Indebtedness becomes debts cleared. Lost becomes found. Sinful becomes righteous. Selfish becomes loving. Jacob becomes Israel. He came to that place of wrestling, that place of God, and he holds on to God. And what comes out? A new creature, a new name. Chains become instruments. Slavery becomes the means of deliverance. Manure becomes fertilizer. You see, that manure is the best fertilizer you could ever get for your soul. And right now, we got a lot of manure out there. Is that a good way of describing it? There's a lot of manure being dished out for free, and you can get your hands on that, and I tell you what, it's going to be some wonderful fertilizer for your soul if you will take it that way. So instead of just recognizing that Jesus and his work on the cross is a converter, you know that God wants to make you a mini converter in this life? You see, you're not the capital C converter. You know, technically, if anyone's life is going to be converted, it's because Jesus is working. But he uses us in the process. So we're like these mini lowercase c converters. When junk gets thrown on you, turn it into a revelation of God's love, joy, and triumph. So if you get junk, manure thrown on your life, turn it, convert it, into something beautiful. So out of you comes love. Even though what's coming at you is hate, what comes out of you is love. What comes at you is spite, what comes out is mercy. What comes at you is lies, but what comes out of you is truth. A big winsome smile, a kick in your step, and a leap for joy. So David Eubank, if any of you saw the, the movie uh, Free Burma Rangers, which is a powerful movie, I would highly encourage you to see it. Uh, he has a quote. David Eubanks says, you are going to die anyway. You might as well make this life count, so go for it. Follow the Holy Spirit where he leads you, even if it be to do crazy things that, co that, that could cost you your life. <laughs> That's the way he lives, too, and it's quite inspiring. And it's true. I mean, it's, it's just good old-fashioned logic. Why wouldn't we be the happiest people on earth, people? Why wouldn't we? 
We have Jesus. The enemy cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus no matter what he does. We have something grand. Let's spend this life in a worthy manner for what he deserves. So I'm going to finish with this meditation, the purpose of candle wax. So this is from Streams in the Desert, which is probably my favorite devotional uh, written by Mrs. Charles B. Kalman. It is just a wonderful meditation. Shining is always costly. Light comes only at the cost of that which produces it. An unlit candle does no shining. Burning must come before shining. We cannot be of great use to others without cost to ourselves. Burning suggests suffering. We shrink from pain. We are apt to feel that we are doing the greatest good in the world when we are strong and able for active duty and when the heart and hands are, f- are full of kindly service. When we are called aside and can only suffer, when we are sick, when we are consumed with pain, when all our activities have been dropped, we feel that we are no longer of use. We are not doing anything. But if we are patient and submissive, it is almost certain that we are a greater blessing to the world in our time of suffering and pain than we were in the days when we thought we were doing the most of our work. We are burning now and shining because we are burning. I want you to recognize that there's pain in many of your lives right now because of the circumstances we are in. But if you really want to give the light of Christ, you need to be like candle wax. You need to allow that fire, that challenge, that pain to enter your life, but out of your life is going to come a great light that is going to cause a world to awaken. So don't ever think meanly of the difficulties that you face. Father, teach us to cherish the weights. Teach us to cherish the manure for your glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.